Welcome to CRH Talk, where we feature rural health professionals and dive deep into prevention, treatment, and building lasting health. Hey everyone, welcome to CRH Talk. We have a wonderful guest with us today. She is our Director of Home Health and Hospice, Carol Anders. And we are going to be discussing the hospice journey with her. Um, She's the best person to take us through this journey. And it's not an easy journey for our patients, family members. Um, And so this is something that can be difficult to speak on. So thank you so much, Carol, for being willing to go through this with us. Um, But why don't you just introduce yourself to those who don't know you and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Carol. I'm... And RN and the Director of Home Health and Hospice, as Ashley said. Um, I've been a nurse in the Cody community for 31 years now. Um, I worked at Cody Regional Health for the public school system, all different departments. But my passion is home health and hospice. And that being that we can take care of people in their own space um, on their terms. And that, that makes... Um, our nursing, very special. It's a specialty area, the hospice especially, um, but we do home health as well in the homes and cover a 50 mile radius of Cody. Um, I have a great team of nurses, all very experienced. So uh, it's a great job. I didn't realize you've been doing this for 31 years. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Cause you do, you look at what nursing does and Mm -hmm. you make a huge difference in people's lives Mm -hmm. daily. So yeah, um, I just wanted to start out with people may not understand exactly what hospice is. I didn't. And so um, hospice can be done in the home yes, or it can also be done in our facility, which is Spirit Mountain Hospice House. Yes. Which is a beautiful facility. If you've never looked at it, um, you can go to our website and take a virtual tour. Um, but I would encourage people to just look at that process. We just went through that last year, um, about a year ago, actually, next month yeah. with my grandfather. And that is something where, can you just tell us about Spirit Mountain Hospice House? Because I don't think people in our community know the history. Some people do. But I think it's good to remind us where that all started and why we have an amazing hospice house here locally in Cody, Wyoming. Um, my previous director, Linda Harbrin, um, when I first started doing hospice, um, the caregivers would be burnt out. There's no place for the patients to go um, when we're caring for them on hospice. And there's a level of care called respite where they can get five days off and it's covered by Medicare. And so um, we really struggled with that. And so she did fundraisers and grants and um, throughout the community and was able to do um, enough to build this beautiful eight bed facility. All the rooms are private. It's got a grand room and a beautiful kitchen. It's it's gorgeous. Like Ashley said, I, I encourage anybody to go look at it. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Um, but I'm really proud of it. Just knowing Linda, Linda um, and all the work that she put forth to, to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so just knowing that history of 
we didn't have anything like a hospice house in our area for the basin. And just knowing that that is there for those caregivers. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you're dealing with someone, I know with my family, it came to a point where it was, you can't keep doing this anymore. It's it's so physically demanding Mm -hmm. to be with someone in that last stage. Yeah. Um, maybe you can kind of take us through that process because when you're in it, you're kind of just shuffling to try and figure mm-hmm. out what you're going to do. So maybe just kind of take us through that first phase where say you've got a family member who's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do to prepare for whether or not you have hospice care either in the home or in in the hospice house? It's the patient's choice um, or the family's choice if the patient can't make that choice. Um, but really it's um, the, the primary physician and our medical director have to collaborate together and determine that it is a hospice diagnosis. Six months or less is the criteria. I personally would like to see people get on hospice services earlier um, in that six month period, um, because we can provide comfort care and family support and the respite care that I mentioned so that they can have some relief and support along the way instead of waiting till those last few days and then it's crisis time. Um, so, uh, but once the doctors determine that it's a hospice appropriate diagnosis, then we go through the admission process and it's, um, it's basically the same for the hospice house and the home environment. Um, If someone's at home and they can't cope anymore, they just are transferred to the hospice house. There's no readmission or any process or anything. They, they can just go down there and, and stay for the duration or, or just give the caregivers break either way. Okay. So maybe talk about that a little bit more as far as what that type of care looks like. Because if I'm going to my doctor and they have determined for my family member that, or me, that that I am qualifying of hospice care, mm-hmm. six months, okay? And again, I have to I have to take it down to this level where it's so I can understand it. Maybe it'll help some of you out there. <laughs> um, what does that look like if my doctor says, yes, they qualify for hospice care, because I think there's that question, once you come in, hospice correct is you have to go off your medications as well, don't you? No. Okay. Because that's a preconceived, like, there's a lot of confusion around that topic yeah. out there. So maybe yeah. talk about what it looks like, ex- like specifically. Hospice covers all medications, all care related to the terminal illness, Um the only thing it doesn't cover is the room and board at the hospice house, Medicare-wise. Some insurances do cover the room and board at the hospice house. Um, but as far as stopping medication, stopping food, all those types of things, that is a misconception um, by many people. They they almost feel like um, we're just going to medicate them and, you know, they're going to be sedated and, and that, but that's not the case. When people come on hospice, they are, it's not like a hospital. They can come into the hospice house. 
They can go for a drive up the North Fork. They can go home for the weekend. We've had people go for concerts and four wheel, four wheeler trips, you know, and our EMS crew is awesome in that they'll, if someone's too weak to do all that stuff by themselves, they'll take them out on a four wheel drive or whatever and, and take them where they want to go. So, um, it, it's a little bit different. People can come and go as they please. Um, the hospice house, just like their home environment, is considered their home. Families can cook meals in there. They can spend the night with their family. Um, and basically, uh, we are providing any kind of comfort, any pain, any nausea, anything like that, then we're addressing that. We're providing the cares for <clears throat> bathing and cleaning. We have a jacuzzi bath in there, um, and we do that in the home as well. And then um, the rest of it's basically driven by the, the family members and the family. Awesome. So that's a preconceived notion that's not true. Like Correct. Once you go on hospice, and some people, do they ever go on hospice and then get better and then leave? Yes. Um, you can revoke hospice at any time. And also, um, we've had people revoke hospice. We act, they actually improve because the symptom management has made them feel so much better um, that they revoke. And then uh, maybe a couple of years later, things are really starting to deteriorate. And then they can sign up for hospice again. And... Um, and it's an unlimited amount of, of hospice discharges and readmissions. There are several Medicare rules um, that I won't go into because they're difficult, yeah, <laughs> complicated, yeah. Um, and confusing But uh, as far as that goes. But for the most part, if you're discharged, you can be readmitted at any time. Great. Okay. Yeah. Cause those are things that sometimes people think once you go in, you're never coming out and that's yeah, not, yeah. not the case. I think the hardest part about the hospice house facility is getting people to cross that threshold. And then they see this beautiful home and the care that they give. And then the caregivers themselves, um, can take a sigh of relief, let us do the care. And then, um, and just be there for their family member. Yeah, I know that was, we were only there for a few days, but it was so nice to just be able to yeah. see my family have that relief. Um, to me, that's what hospice is mostly about, is is us doing the care and the comfort and teaching and guiding people mm-hmm. on different things in the home environment or in the um, inpatient facility. But then um, allowing the caregiver to just be there. Yeah. Let's talk maybe too about that threshold and what maybe some people are concerned about is cost because you talked about Mm -hmm. some insurances do not cover hospice care Mm -hmm. in the facility. And what do we offer to help offset those types of things? Let's talk about like each day, how much it costs out of pocket. Can you kind of really delve deep into that topic? Because sure. I want people to realize this is what it costs. Mm-hmm. Here are the options. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's $306 a day is our current pricing for the room and board. Um, but we accept one misconception is 
oh my gosh, you know, everybody kind of panics when they hear that dollar amount and you do the math. Um, but in reality, we do fundraisers every year um, and people can apply for um, monies out of those fundraisers to pay for the room and board. And most often, um, I would say anywhere from 60 to 100% is paid for as long as people qualify. If you have too many assets, you're not going to qualify. Um, that's true. Um, but most people that apply um, are granted access to those charity care funds. We also help people with Medicaid applications. Um, Medicaid um, pays a portion of the room and board. Oh, they do. Okay. Uh -huh. And then we also apply. They can have the Medicaid and the charity care at the same time. Oh, great. And okay. and so the, the amount due is very minimal, um, okay. just getting that paperwork filled out. So how do they go about getting that paperwork? Do they just come directly to you or just go? At admission, um, there's usually a social worker there, and okay. they have that paperwork, and they help people fill out the paperwork um, and make sure it's all submitted correctly. And that goes to our financial department at the hospital, um, and then... They review the application and determine, based on uh, mm -hmm. assets and whatnot, what they qualify for. Could you tell me, what is the average stay right now for a hospice patient? It very much varies. We've had people on for a couple of years. Even though there's that six-month prognosis, sometimes with good symptom management, um, people survive for several years. Um, I would say most people right now, it's anywhere from weeks to months. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like to see them come in maybe a little bit earlier. If possible, it has to be, it's between them. If they want to stop, they um, cannot be receiving any curative treatment. And that's probably the biggest hang up if someone's um, say has a cancer diagnosis and they're getting curative treatment or if they have COPD and, and they, they're on what we call a trilogy, a kind of a ventilator type unit, then we can't um, take them. So they have to be willing to stop all the curative treatments and just do comfort measures. And that, that's a big hurdle. I understand that totally. So Yeah, yep. Okay, so we've kind of gone through that first phase of when and how you qualify what it looks like to go, go through there. So can we talk about while you're at the hospice care? I know you said family members can come in, they can cook meals, they can be there, you're helping bathe them. But what do we do towards that end? Um, you know, can we have someone come in and, you know, from the church and speak with them? Do they, what's that process like at the very end? And how does that look for a family member? How do you prepare us for that? I think the, the preparation starts from admission forward. We're teaching people what's going to happen, how um, the body slowly, slowly shuts down. And, um, and then towards the end, um, we're, we're letting people know, okay, now we need to, this is, for example, terminal restlessness. That's why they're so anxious. That, um, that's just a common hospice thing. Um, people, different people, I would say 
most people go through terminal restlessness. It's just a restless phase right before they pass. And just teaching them that that's what that is. And this is the medication. That's why we're giving them that medication. Um, and if their oxygen's dropping, um, maybe they're not eating as much. People get really scared when their family member quits eating. Mm -hmm. And um, they want to feed them. That's the way we're... That's our orientation in life is nourishment. And so everyone's wanting to feed people and stuff, but actually the body systems are shutting down and they can't um, digest the food and, and right. um, it, it actually causes more harm than good. So it's a lot of education towards the end, um, preparing. And then um, we start seeing skin modeling, oxygen dropping, and we're, we're telling the family what's going on and um, making funeral arrangements. We have chaplains um, who can give last rites or people can ask for their own um, spiritual, if they have their own spiritual person that they prefer. Um, our chaplain is non-denominational and so it's basically a life review with her. Um, but if someone prefers their own chaplain, they can certainly come into the hospice house and be with them. We have volunteers that help assist with meal prep um, and that kind of thing. Uh, we have social workers to help with the bereavement process and they're visiting patients um, daily or at least a couple times a week to try to um, help with grief support for the caregivers and help with grief su support for the, um, the patient themselves. Mm -hmm. um, that grief support continues for 13 months after the patient passes. That's wonderful. And so um, they call, um, send cards, make sure everybody's doing okay. And if they're not doing okay, um, they set them up with the right resources that they may need. I think that's something we don't talk about enough is that end of life phase. Mm -hmm. um, because unfortunately, right now we do suffer from a lot of chronic illness and that deterioration starts. But, you know, just to be, pre be prepared for that end time, which mm -hmm. is not a real easy topic. Mm -hmm. Like this is not an easy topic to talk about mm -hmm. on CRH Talk because, but it is something we do get questions about. Um, we find a little bit of confusion over and we want to do everything possible to communicate what that looks like for you and your loved ones. Um, and I, I cannot recommend enough personally, the hospice home that we have here, um, Carol and her team do a wonderful job. Um, and if you ever have questions, I mean, how, you know, what's the best route for people to go for that process? Should they just call? They can call the office or stop in and we can walk you through what the admission process looks like. See if um, your loved one qualifies for hospice and, and let you know what you need to do, which is very minimal. Um, a lot of people call wanting to know what they need to do to get their person on hospice. And basically we just take the reins from there and we arrange we're calling physicians and we're arranging and, and, um, that's the last thing getting the orders about. and stuff so that the family, you know, they can just step on the brakes and, um, be able to have some relief and know that, know that we have their backs and that we're there for them. 
Yeah, that's great. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, it's wonderful to know that that bereavement program is there. Mm-hmm. So after you do lose someone and you've gone through our process, um, we do have that support after yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to say goodbye to your loved one here. Um, yeah, the, the social workers and the bereavement program's optional. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. Sure. Um, same with wanting a chaplain or, or even the social worker visits twice a week. Um, sometimes that's just too much depending on the person. And so, um, okay. but lastly, I'd like to say that um, we have a five-star rating um, on Medicare Um which is the highest that you can get for our cares. We're the only inpatient hospice facility in the Bighorn Basin. Um, And like I said, I just have an experienced, fantastic team that um, is very engaged in hospice and passionate about it. So um, any, any one of my team can help if you have any questions. Great. Carol, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and be with us. And just thank you everyone for um, joining us. And if you, again, have any questions over today's CRH Talk, please reach out and we are more than happy to help you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CRH Talk. Please subscribe, rate, or share this podcast. Check us out at codyregionalhealth.org and see what services we offer locally in Northwest Wyoming.